Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. So let's get going. You're listening to the Market Dominance Guys with your hosts, Chris Beal of Connect and Sell and Corey Frank of Uncommon Pro. You're about to make a cold call, hoping to get a commitment out of your prospect. What are you feeling? A little trepidation, perhaps? As all salespeople know, that's the fear of rejection. But have you ever considered that your prospect is feeling some fear too? It's true. Most prospective customers feel the fear of having to talk to an invisible stranger. That's a lousy way to start a conversation with someone you're wanting a commitment from. So how do you, an invisible stranger, get your prospect, an unknown person, to go quickly from fear to trust, then from trust to curiosity, and finally from curiosity to commitment, all in about half of a minute? How do you do it so that the call doesn't end with a disappointing outcome? Chris Coring, today's Market Dominance Guy's guest, Oren Claff, Managing Director of Intersection Capital, tackle this challenge with a discussion about trust and how to manufacture it, especially at the speed and scale necessary for startup founders to glean success before their new venture runs out of money. Join us for this episode, Getting Prospects from Fear to Commitment. So we're going to jump right in on the recording because we got the great Oren Clef. Oren, I am listening to flip the script. It is making me a little sick, actually, when you come right down to it. I'm getting a little ill because I keep going, oh, shit, I do that. And I didn't have a name for it. I'm such Yeah. A you know, it's funny. I get calls from guys at Goldman Sachs and they'll go, hey, listen, listen, that's a great book. Just want to tell you it's a great, you didn't, but we do that. You know, you didn't invent that, <laughs> but, but I just, well, it doesn't say, I want to tell you about the things that I invented. Right. All it says is you should do this. Well, well, you, you know, you wrote it down good. We just didn't have time to write it down. Okay. Well, that's why you don't have a book. I was just talking to a guy named Jared Robin who started a thing called Rev Genius and they have a thing called the Outbound Club. So we signed up to sponsor it. We're going to provide unlimited connect and sell to the participants. And we're making an e-sport out of cold call. And your e-sports story with the sniper was what I just finished listening to. And I said, look, Dude, what we're going to do is we'll make an eSport out of this. We're going to give Mark Cuban a call. He's the eSports guy. I'm going to say, finally, an eSport for business. You know, That's awesome. It's time yeah. to jump in. That is awesome. Man, I wish I was smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I just, I'm the Paul Schaefer, the perpetual Ed McMahon, Andy Richter on this couch today as I was preparing for this to finally get Two of my good friends, two of my good mentors in one virtual room at the same time. I was telling Oren earlier about 90% of the sound bites in riffs that I've used over the last couple of years, I think has come from one or both of your sources and the tank is running low. So this is a purely selfish endeavor to fill that tank and to shamelessly steal all this information. Oh, so really? Hey, you need a soundbite? You need a soundbite? Here's a good one. Just tell your kids, hey, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. That's a good soundbite. That's a I good think that one. was in Pitch Anything. I've used that before. We have one of the titans of, uh, don't step on my lines here, one of the titans of sales thought leadership. 
author of two best-selling books, including Pitch Anything, which is one of the top five sales books of all time. He is a consummate craftsman, constant alchemist of our profession, and has done more to advance the boundaries, I think, of sales thought leadership than almost anyone in the field today. We have the one, the only Oren Cleft to go along with the Sage of Sales here on the Market Dominance podcast today. Chris Beal, please welcome Oren Clef to the program. Thank right. you. That was, you know, that was nice. I just wish I had more people saying nice stuff about me. Today, you know, it, it's great to have you because I think, especially we were talking about flip the script and pitch anything. And Chris, you're knee deep and flip the script right now. Uh, one of the things we talk about on Market Dominant Podcast, Oren, is this concept of cold calling and how do you get and manufacture trust at scale. One of the things that Chris and I talk about is the state of a prospect when we first call their state, their natural state as this invisible stranger who's calling them, right, Chris, is, is, that, is that a fear? That's their emotional state. And so how do you get from fear to trust and then trust to curiosity and that curiosity and turn that into commitment. So I think as Chris and I were talking about uh, last week, it'd be great to ask you your thoughts of how you manufacture trust. And do you agree that it can be manufactured at scale? And how do you attack that concept that somebody who is not expecting a phone call yet you know, we need to kind of penetrate that veneer, that barrier that they have in order to to get some trust. I mean, this is going to be a very fast entry into the world of Pitch Anything and Orin Claff. I mean, it would be good for people to scale into it. But basically, I mean, trust to me, this presumes that trust is a valuable state. Hmm. All right. This presumes that them trusting you is a valuable state for them to have. And I think that is a good common assumption that's been in sales, you know, for over the last 50 years. The problem is that I think if you really look at trust, not academically, although you can look at it academically, not in, you know, conversation with these guys like us who dabble in this, but in your own life, where have you ever manufactured trust rapidly? One function of true trust is time. Time is a ball of wax choking on a splinter. Um, so time. And, and so I think in my worldview, you're really looking at a proxy for trust, something that stands in for trust because you don't have in five seconds, 10 seconds, three minutes, five minutes, 11 minutes, 59 minutes. In my mind, that is not enough time to get real, defensible, robust, high quality, leverageable. You can trade on it, put it in your pipeline. This is going to happen. Trust. Now, give me an example. My partner, Jack, called me up today and I go, Jack, I don't like the way you sound today because we're doing a deal and you don't sound happy. Right. And so you should, you're going to make a couple million dollars here. You should be coming out of your sneakers, whatever it is you're wearing over there where you are and excited and we're making money and I'm, you're making me nervous because you're not happy about making more money than we've made all year. What is going on? He goes, no, no, I love the deal. I just don't know that the money's going to show up. The 2 million bucks is going to show up. I go, listen to me, write this on your arm. Orrin Claft is delivering $2 million for this deal and go on the weekend and get yourself happy. Cause I can't take it. This unhappiness. 
And he goes, okay, I'll do it. Trust. We've been working together for 10 years. Now he makes his next phone call and he goes, oh, mumble, 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 right? And the guy goes, hey, what's going on, Jack? You know, he's like, well, I don't know if the money's going to show up. And the guy was like, don't worry, I'm going to make the money show up. And he's like, and he's going to go mumble, 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 because he doesn't trust the guy. Trust takes years to develop. You need a proxy for trust. And so I'll tell you a quick story. We go to rent a, because at some point in my career, I took out the book, a lot of people love me and on the podcast and everything like that. And we go to rent a studio in Los Angeles, you know, 10,000 square feet, because Oren Claff's big head needs a 10,000 square foot studio to be filmed in. And they have, they have a crane, you know, that zooms down and cameras and audio gear, because that's when I thought that really mattered. Maybe it does. So anyway, so we walk in and they're, we're in the green room or not in the lobby, we're not in the green room. And the guy goes, listen, uh, we have another thing filmed, well, just when we were going to check it out to hire it, right? Because, you know, it's whatever, $10,000 for the day. It used to be real money back in the day, Corey. And so, so the guy goes, you can go back and check it out, the space. There's another film crew back there. Just want to watch out for the line. And we go, well, okay, so it's Los Angeles, like fashion line, fishing line. Watch out for the line. We'll go, yeah, watch out for the line. Great. We walk back there. Whoa, it's a lion. L-I-O-N. It's a lion. All right. But don't worry. And so they're filming wire for well, the line for like a vodka or watch, you know, commercial with a half naked woman. But she's not with the lion. Right. That's not how when you see that in a magazine. Sorry, Chris, I'm taking over your podcast. But um, when you see a woman with a lion, they are not the woman is not there with the lions. Lions are dangerous. Like and so there, there's no like safe lion. You guys know that. Right. So. So anyway, um, we're talking to guys and he goes Shit, bear softly. You don't want to upset major. I'm like, well, are you, <laughs> right? And, and so they go, don't worry. Major, there's an invisible fence. There's an invisible fence that keeps Major from hopping out on the crew and everything like that. But you just don't want to move fast and, you know, look like prey and everything like that. So just keep it down and don't move fast. And uh, then I'm talking to one of the crews like, yeah, the invisible fence works 100%, right? Unless Major gets mad. Then he doesn't give a shit about the invisible fence, right? And so... I feel like these sort of rules that are in place are this invisible fence. Mm. And you want to find things today because everything's changed. Let's not get into the change. Zoom and COVID and not meeting in person and, um, you know, number of contacts and data and machine learning and databases and AI and constant ringing of phones and lookalike audiences and all that stuff, right? So all that change. So I think this stuff left over from the 1950s of trust and value proposition and uh, trial close, you can get your inner major, break out of your invisible fence and try some of that stuff outside of the line. And so then I will take you somewhere that I got by getting mad and breaking through my invisible fence and a proxy, I think, for trust. By the way, we're talking quite abstractly. Let's just, you know, maybe we should just mock up a call. So we can just mark what trust is. So Corey, I mean, you're great at this. What would a trust script sound like? Well, we happen to Chris, you want to talk about the breakthrough script since this is what the folks at Connect and Sell use on the phone uh, millions of times a year. So let's walk through the steps on this. And Chris, you had Chris Voss from Never Split the Difference, certainly kind of give his thoughts on this. So now we have another tightening the arena here. Let's uh, get to Oren's impression on this. Sure, absolutely, Oren. I love it. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. (laughs) 
Connect and Sell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect and Sell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears they shed while watching the end of Toy Story, kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. By the way, Oren, I used to play with a lioness when I was a kid. Um, my mom worked at a veterinarian's office and they boarded this lioness every year. And my mother actually encouraged me to stick my hand out and this animal would take my entire hand up to mid forearm in her mouth. And I quote, she would say, oh, oh that's incredible. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So um, I made sure to use my left hand just in case my mom was wrong, because then at least I could kind of have a shot at life after that. Oh, no, I mean, my mom, those animals, you know, my my parents are from South Africa. Those animals are gentle, beautiful, kind, loving, sweet until they're not until they're not. (laughs) You know, it's not like it's not like me at six o'clock. Hey, guys, I just want to let you know I'm getting irritable. Okay. Um, everybody stay out of my way. Just let me eat dinner, read my email, get a workout and go to bed, but clear the hell out of my way. You know, that you don't get that from a lion. You just get, I mean, they're like wolves. Anyway, I know this is not an animal show, but you know, wolves, they take these baby wolves, right? And they ra- they've never seen anything but a human. So they raise them in contact with humans 24 hours a day. Right. They, they don't have contact with their, with the parent wolves, you know, they're, and they raise them to be, socialized with humans. They're never out of contact with a human. And even then I saw a whole, uh, not 60 minutes, but whatever the discovery channel thing on it. Even then a young pup wolf with a human that he's been in contact with hundreds of times for hundreds of hours, his main contact in the living world will just snap and attack. That's just play. Yeah. That's the world I grew up in. Hey, so the context here for this particular trust thing that we've been exploring on market dominance is a, it's about Uh, two alternatives, two different ways of approaching large markets. So this isn't deal at a time kind of stuff at the beginning. This is how do you go from, huh, I think I should be selling to somebody out there of these thousands to figuring out who you should actually be selling to, to actually doing it at pace and scale and doing it with people you can hire. This is the Silicon Valley problem, I'll call it. But it's it's a problem that others have. Like we work with a company and uh, I'm not... I was just talking to him today and he said, don't say our name. So think German air compressor company sells to factories in the US uh, and in Germany, obviously. So the question on their mind was, well, we got these door knockers, right? Got about 72 people in 17 branches and they knock on doors. And then this internet of things comes along and they can't knock on doors anymore. Every factory starts to put up fences, put up a security guard. Now you got to get an appointment. So how can we teach our door knockers to get an appointment. So the amount of trust that's required is kind of like the amount of trust that's required when my mom and the lioness's owner said, go ahead, you know, let her play with your hand, right? It's not the amount of trust that's required for me to say, you know, spend a night in the company of that lioness when she was hungry. It's not that depth where I can put my life in her hands. Not like uh, my buddy, Jim Haggard sent me a birthday card two days ago 
And Helenette said, you got a pretty deep relationship with this guy. I said, guy saves your life more than 150 times. You're going to have a deep relationship. You know, that's literally trust you with my life. Right. But, but this is a little bit different. What this is, is when you look at the beginning state, which is we don't know who to talk to. And then you look at the information paucity. We don't have enough information to tell us who to talk to. So we're going to have to have a conversation in order to get a conversation about having a conversation. So now you're in this, this problem and then you're trying to figure out how do I do this at pace and scale before I run out of money, which is the big issue with all these Silicon Valley guys and, and even a German air compressor company. You don't run out of money. You're the boss. You run out of keeping your job, right? Yeah. Because you didn't get it done. So as we looked at this, and we get to look at it kind of scientifically, we deliver eh, a few conversations a year, about two and a half million. And so we have a fair amount of grist for our mill. I don't know what two and a half million squared is, but it's a big ass number. So, you know, we have statistical significance against a big ass number of two and a half million squared, roughly. And when we looked at what folks were doing, they were trying to do the old fashioned thing of leading with value. And so they're leading with value First, they lead with rapport, like me, then value, business value, and then they're hoping to get in a relationship that has something to do with the value. And what we found was this guy in Denver that we had, name is Jordan Dufour, was leading a different way, and it made everything better in the sales cycle. He worked for us. He was selling Connect to Sell, using Connect to Sell. He works for us. And he was leading like this. Oren, I know I'm an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And that two-sentence thingy he was doing, which we all thought was goofier than the goofiest thing we'd ever heard, guy kind of was a goofy, he is a goofy guy. Jordan, if you're watching this, you're kind of a goofy dude. He has a very great skill in asking people for things. He has no hesitation, right? But he would have better results all the way through the sales process, and that was the only thing he did different. So we asked ourselves, well, what happens if other people do it? I just blindly try. Good science, right? Just spread it around, see what happens. And so we did that and had the same effect over and over and over, but only if they got the tone right. I know I'm an interruption. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? And we still didn't understand the damn thing, but we spread it around. And then this, this guy, uh, Noah Blumenthal comes along and I help him buy his, uh, get his company's name sold, a big company in Redmond, Washington. Uh, they called up one day, uh, didn't say who they were. I figured out who they were. I was advising this company $1.1 million in one day. So now he's got a little bit of money. He's not going to go out of business. He's got a product and uh, not much of a product, interesting concept. And he's going out to sell it. He hires a sales guy. He calls me up, says, oh, I hired a sales guy. I'm so proud. I said, great. So now I'm going to fire you as an advisor. I'm not going to advise you anymore. Because what we're going to learn is you don't know how to hire sales guys which we already knew. So you're spending money to find out something you already knew. That's stupid. Let's not do that. You got to sell this damn thing yourself. He said, well, how do I get the meetings? I said, you're going to cold call the COOs of Fortune 1000 companies. Sure. He said, I'm going to do what? I've never cold called anybody in my life. We argue, we argue, we argue. We... Finally, he says, if I'm scripted, I can try it. I said, I don't do scripting. This is back when I was ignorant of scripting. I said, well, who? so what? He says, well, I do scripting. I do it. I do it for TEDx talks for other people. I'm an expert. I said, okay, let's script you. He scripts himself up five hours, three sentences later, and he comes up with these three more sentences. He tries it out. He gets three times the appointment rate we've ever seen, and he's lame ass on the phone. Lame ass. Noah, my forgiveness. 
but you will agree with me if you're watching this, that you sound like you're reading the script because you're reading the script. And he gets meetings with the chief operating officer of Dell Technologies and stuff like that. So now we're going, holy moly, we got a technology that delivers 10 times more conversations. This guy's just proven, proven you can be lame ass and get meetings on a curiosity-based script whose main feature is this weird opening that he didn't invent, someone else invented. And then I asked Chris Voss about it at a dinner one night. And he says, oh yeah, all we got to do is, we got seven seconds to get somebody to trust us in a hostage negotiation phone call. Seven seconds, that's all we got. It's too late otherwise. And we got to show them we see the world through their eyes and we got to prove we can solve a problem they have right now. And I thought, holy shit, I'm the problem they have right now. And I know I'm competent to solve that problem. And so that's the smidge. I, you know, it's a sliver of trust. It is not bet your house, do a deal with me. It's just enough to reverse the standard equation, which is I'm going to sit, get value into your head first. After all, I ambushed you. I'm an invisible stranger. I'm like the worst thing in the world. I showed up from across the river. You paint your face vertically. I paint mine horizontally. You put a bone in your nose. I'm the idiot who puts them in my ears. I'm horrible. And when I show up, I'm invisible. It's nighttime and I'm here to change your demographics, right? So that's the little tiny sliver that we're talking about. And you know what? What's weird is it's teachable in zero time to non-salespeople who can then actually get meetings that people show up at and shop. But, you know, I have to hear what comes after it, but I would have to test the assumption that it's creating trust. Yeah, we could be lying to ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think what it's creating is novelty. And so it could be that you could get very similar results by saying, hey, John, it's Orn. The crux of the biscuit is the apostrophe. Could be. So think so that would have to be checked because the net result, and I think you agree, you said it yourself, is now you've left yourself in a very low status position that you've got to claw out of. I, I don't and think so. So, so if, think- if we're chasing trust, right? And uh, so I think there's some other things that that could stand in as a proxy for it. You know, like one thing I was going to go to is serendipity. So when you use serendipity, you're going to get the same impact of, yes, I'm willing to stay on this line, hear what's next. Because So serendipity is normally we have, here, here's serendipity. Um, um, hey, Chris, it's Oren from Intersection. Normally my admin would be calling you on this, but I took a quick look at this and see, uh, I'm the managing director here and I decided to jump on this account. Okay, a lot of words. So serendipity is normally you would have talked to somebody low status, but I took a quick look at this and I realized you guys need a managing director to talk to you. So I'm not sure that's perfect for all your situations, but that kind of serendipity is very attractive to people and we're not sacrificing status. Can we say, I know I'm in the interruption is now, is something in a hole that we then have to fight out of. Actually, I haven't seen that. It depends on how it's said. If you say it right, the upfront, I know I'm an interruption. And then you go to playful curious. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I call? You're not asking permission. If somebody says may, they're screwed. If they say please, they're screwed. If they ask a question of fact, 
then you can get to serendipity and you get to it really easily, which is the very next thing. They always say, go ahead. By the way, this thing, this is proven to work. And it's pretty, it's, they say it with a chuckle and it's not a downward social chuckle. It's pretty much straight across. You got to listen to some of these. I, I hear that, but it's an eye roller, right? So, you know, just it's an eye roller. And, you and, and your so, emotional responses to this. This is science, man. Yeah. Eye rolling or not eye rolling. This is science. Oh, by the way, John T. McLaren rolls his eyes when he hears you read your book. I yeah. just hear it and go, that's Oren. Sounds great. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it, let me, here's the thing. We're trying to get regular people, not MDs. Yeah. To be able to cause a senior person, much more senior than them, to take a meeting. And serendipity is, in fact, the key to the whole thing, because the next thing they say, and I'm, I was listening to Flip the Script, and you use this word many times. You use the word discover. We've discovered. My team and I, you say, always, you say, my team of, psycho- of, of, of linguistic psychologists or cognitive psychologists or whatever they are, there's hundreds of them, and they're like ranked, you know, back there, have discovered and blah, 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 right? Which makes you innocent. We don't have to have any psychological reactants because you found it. You were lucky. It's serendipity. We're so happy for all of us. We want to rub shoulders with the, with, the, with the lucky dude, right? Right. And so we teach these people to raise their status immediately to being somebody to be curious about, somebody who has discovered something new, and somebody who's a little ambiguous in terms of who they are, which you do also. You see my team and I, right? You never just say, you never say, I have discovered. Right. 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 So we teach people to say this to get their attention. They say, I believe. So that's the the established. When I say I believe you should listen. Right. I believe or I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates. And then we say some really badass thing that it completely eliminates. Right. And it's normally the badass thing is normally something kind of economic, like cost or risk or something, something emotional, like frustration. And something, we call it strategic, like you're trying to go somewhere and there's a blocker and we've discovered a way of doing something about it, but we're not going to tell you what it is. We're not going to tell you what business we're in. And no matter how often you ask, we're not going to tell you that shit. We're just not going to tell you. So for us, we say, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates the waste and the frustration that keeps your best sales reps from being effective on the phone or, or even using the phone at all. And the reason I reached out to you today is to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you. Do you happen to have your calendar available? And what is interesting and surprising is this shit works, right? And it, it works for a funny reason because the journey, you can call it trust or something else. The journey is from I ambushed you and you don't like it, probably because you're afraid of me. And then I relieve the fear. So maybe it's relief but you're willing to go a little farther. And then I go immediately to serendipity, to curiosity. And then I let the curiosity kind of sit there and see see if you're willing to make a commitment, which is not to do something, but to tell me something. If you happen to have your calendar available, it's just a simple question. Most people do, it's a question of fact. And we haven't found anything better that's teachable to regular people so you can hire them like Corey does and have them producing money that day, which is what our goal is. We want to hire regular people and have them producing money that day, regardless of the business. Yeah. So far, you know, 
Now, what I want to do is take my guys because they're in discovery and take my customers guys and gals because they're in discovery and teach them to flip the script. Because I think that's now we push the bottleneck down there now because we can manufacture meetings like. That's where we live. Like we think leads, you know, today uh, what has happened is leads are available. Like we don't have anybody who really can't produce leads, you know, or can't get leads or can't, but can I go with connect and sell and Corey. And so conversion is, you know, I think the larger issue today is you can get on a call, you can get on the calendar. There's efficiencies in the, either on the, um, tech, you know, on the pure technology funnel side, on the advertising, on the intent based side or the outreach, you know, as you're discovering and using is creating efficiencies in the lead creation, right? So then we get to 15 minutes and then we get the value proposition out in terms of the, you know, and then we get to an offer uh, and then conversion then is a higher order skill set that we need these same efficiencies in. How can you take a regular person and get them to improve on conversion on the leads? So, so that's the next, I think, goal in terms of scalability is scaling conversion once you've got lead generate, you know, or appointment generation scaled. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.